How's everybody doing out there? This is Illiterate. My name is Evan. My name is Taylor. I read a play this week. And I studied a movie. What are we doing? This week, we're doing Hamlet. Bum, bum, we're studying Hamlet go. and The Lion King. Mm. Hamlet Matata. <laughs> Let's get into it. Here we go. This is a vast one. Mm-hmm. One of the most, it's one of the most analyzed, yeah. quoted, copied pieces a, of media. Absolutely. I mean, almost who didn't read it in, in high school at some point. I think I did. I think we read it in class and we acted it out, I mm -hmm. think. I also could be getting it confused with another Shakespearean play. So <laughs> high school friends, if you're listening, let me know which one we did. Um, but I think we did Hamlet, but uh, yeah. obviously I've for, forgotten all of it. And kind of and the you reason probably have two listeners. <laughs> and and kind of the reason we're doing this is because it's it, I think people learn this vicariously uh, more often than not through other pieces of media. Um, mm -hmm. A lot that of the has tropes, been a lot adapted of the into exactly. Um, and so with the the new version of the Lion King coming out, uh, we thought it to be a a great opportunity to dig into Hamlet and why Hamlet is such a adaptable, versatile piece of material mm -hmm. um, that, that reaches far beyond, I think, I knew and, and, and hopefully beyond some of our audience members. Yeah. So we'll discuss Hamlet, we'll discuss the influences, and then The Lion King. What, what are your, what are your yeah, tasty? So, so, yeah, <laughs> let's get into it. So here we go. Uh, the challenges of Hamlet. I was reading in this intro to a book. I read a bunch about Hamlet. So I read the play, and there was uh, this series called No Fear Shakespeare. So they have the play on one oh, yeah, side yeah, and yeah, a modern yeah. adaptation, <laughs> which is just very useful because until unless you hear it being read, it's kind of hard to intuit what certain phraseology right. is. Right. That's why we did it in things. class. That's why we didn't just sit it or do it. We actually got up and acted it out so that you could get the inflection. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a drama class, but we did it like that because it was the only way that you could actually get the weight across through the mm -hmm. material. I didn't realize that at the time, but now I do. Yeah. And then I listened to some Sparknotes stuff and did a bunch of research and read a bunch of articles and watched a lot of videos and documentaries and Q&As and things like that about Hamlet to try and get as much information as I could. So I found that, according to one of these prefaces to Hamlet, by the 1990s, the average number of publications yearly about Hamlet is 400. So 400 different books of some sort are written about an analysis of Hamlet Jeez. or about Ophelia or about <laughs> ghosts in Hamlet or about what the political side. So there's so many wow. different angles that you can take. And certainly that number is rising. It's, it is just a massive multifaceted piece of work. And as also culture and time and what's going on in a certain place changes, the analysis of Hamlet changes oh, with fascinating. it. So okay, Hamlet yeah. being performed in the Soviet Union had mm. a different bent or focused its angles on the politics and the corruption and whatnot, whereas Hamlet in modern America focuses more on there there was a there was a non gender cast version of Hamlet that was the most recent. So like they didn't look at ethnicity or race or gender or anything. Oh. They just cast it based on the actor. Oh, interesting. Um because that's more oh, in, yeah. in line yeah, yeah, with yeah, our gotcha. okay. things that we're okay, discussing. Okay. So it's a very open play in that way, in that you can come at it from a lot of different well, it's angles. it's interesting that the material is just that, without inherently changing it, they have, you know, they're mm -hmm. able to put their own spin on it without... Yeah. And so it has a bunch of concerns, I guess, or interesting things in regards to the legacy of it. So I looked in this book, and in 1804, there was a cartoon that showed this guy, John Kemble who was a guy who played Hamlet with this other older actor, Will Betty, on his back. And even in 1804, there was the idea of what? like, oh, this person that played Hamlet, there's a legacy of the other people that played Hamlet before him. And also it was like people would play Hamlet for 20 years or so. They would go through a run and they would be this character for that amount of time. Oh my so there's this certain, like what they call in, in stage parlance, the business of a scene is like what you're doing. So it's not just you and I talking, but I'm yeah. picking up a glass yeah, and drinking yeah, yeah. it or just the stage. Because it really isn't that much. It's mostly just like enters, exits, and you kind of have to figure out how you're you're going to block the gotcha. scene. Yep. So certain actors would create 
these moments that then became almost like canon in Hamlet plays where this guy, Mm -hmm. there was a famous part where he overturns a chair and then that became like, oh, well, are we, is everybody going to do this part where they overturn the chair and show their anger? Or there's a famous part where he crawls on the floor towards a character. Like Mm -hmm. he made that character choice in mm-hmm. the play. And then that became like part of the play. It's like, well, in this part, you have to crawl towards the character because, but somebody at some point came up with that as That's the acting of Hamlet. So the, uh, it, oh, I mean, I mean, I, that instantly sparks questions about just like the, the oldest text possible that exists of it. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, like what is, I would love to see the most original version of so it. So the most available. original version, yeah, is what they call the first quarto. Or the bad quarto. So it's dated around 1603. Any dates and things I give, they're all fluid. And depending on what you look at, it's all over the place. But 1603, it is the shortest version. Well, that makes sense. It's very different in dialogue and character names. And the way that they figure out what this thing is, it's either an original draft that he used that was very much just to get the play out and people performing it. And so it was almost like an actor's notes thing. It wasn't as the full like mm-hmm. recreation or it was a later bootleg from an actor who was just trying to remember oh, what was going on because be these things yeah. were getting played and performed all over the place. So the actors just needed a smaller version that was like just their thing, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was the guy that didn't even play Hamlet or what, because a lot of Hamlet's soliloquies are cut way down. Cause he's like, well, this is kind of what it was. you know. <laughs> who cares? So that's why it's the bad one, but there's a lot of stuff in there that isn't in the other one. So with the editing of these things, you kind of have to cobble it together and corroborate from this one. Then there's the, something called the second quarto, which was 1604 or 1605 so it's 79% longer oh. than the other one oh. like I said that one is like the Cliff's Notes version 79% fanfic yeah <laughs> added to it and that lacks some of the iconic dialogue that came from the first quarto and then there's what's called the first folio which was 1623, but this includes a lot of Shakespeare's other works. So it was like a lot of his plays bound together as one thing. And this one is a little shorter than the second quarto, but Mm. longer than the... Than the the first one. Yeah. But, Um, I mean, like you say, if people are are giving and taking and adding to this thing, and mostly adding to this thing, it makes sense that the first iteration is a lot shorter. mm -hmm. Um, That's that's really interesting. And this this last, the first folio, the the third one, has more distinct stage directions. Uh Uh-huh. It's like a more complete But it does lack some iconic dialogue and lines from the second quarter. So there's a whole mishmash. And then there's other ones after that following as the thing gets traded around in different troops use it and whatnot. The thing about the editing, which I was reading from this person describing the version that I read, it's the opposite of the actors wanting to do it fresh. Kind of like the actor wants to make that choice. Like, well, I'm not going to crawl on the floor. But with the editing, it's like you can't come up with the new interpretation of the thing. You really have to go off of all the history and lineage of how this play has Mm -hmm. been interpreted and what this line means and the kind of translation of it or what the intent behind this phraseology of Elizabethan England was. I just had a crazy idea, but what if Shakespeare is just a J.T. Leroy persona (laughs) created by all these actors at the time? Well, some people do say a lot of his works were written by Mm -hmm. other people. Yeah. That's the big, and maybe future episodes, maybe we're just teasing it out right now, but let's go on. (laughs) Uh, So just a little bit more on the acting. There there is a prominent ghost that's featured in uh, Hamlet, which we'll get into, but... uh, Daniel Day-Lewis played Hamlet as basically every famous actor who ever was an actor. I played it. No, <laughs> I myself. Uh, I played it for 20 years. Because Hamlet is is the is a great breakout role. It allows a young actor to become a star mm-hmm. versus like King Lear, mm-hmm. which is an older character, and you're right, already right. a successful actor, and that's your in your prime. And you can play Hamlet. Like I said, you can play it for a longer time in a run. But Daniel Day-Lewis withdrew from the part mid-run in 1989 because he said he started seeing his father as the ghost oh, God. on stage as he was performing. And a classic Daniel Day-Lewis being too into the part. You know? <laughs> oh. Yeah. So the reason it's so significant, just before we jump into the plot, is that why, why this is so enduring. Like we said, there's so many different angles you can take on it, but it captures the human experience really well. The dual nature of a person. Hamlet is a very conflicting, round character Mm. in literary terms, meaning he has a lot of depth to him. He has a lot of internal problems. Most of this is internal struggle, not necessarily the external plot elements of a tragedy happening. Uh, So, and like I said, with his soliloquies is a very famous, a lot of his, what's going on in his mind, which is an odd 
thing for these tragedy because it lacks the abrupt brutality of a lot of the yeah. tragedies where it's revenge yeah. or or the all-consuming romance that makes somebody go crazy. Oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah. kind of a joke in Hamlet. Like, is he? Is it because he's love-struck? Is it because he's not and he flip-flops and oscillates mm. and he's a bit misogynistic at times and then he's wooing people and it's all over the place? So that's why people like playing Hamlet as an actor because he's so all over the place and he has so many different elements to him yeah he's conflicted he wants to do this but should he is religion causing a problem is his family lineage is it his own moral inhibitions is it his cowardice is it his bravery calm down dude a lot a lot of different (laughs) stuff that's why people love him uh so hamlet by william shakespeare ghost king shows up on the top of a castle these two guys are scared of it we learn that Fortinbras Sr., which is the king of Norway, was killed by Hamlet Sr., which is the king of Denmark. Oh. And so that's what's happened. And they're posted up on this battlement on top of the castle mm. because the prince, the son, Fortinbras Jr., mm-hmm. is planning stuff, obviously, because his father was killed and they, they're going to attack. <laughs> they're at war. My God. Something's going to happen. So... This ghost comes back again. They get freaked out. Uh, they think it looks like Hamlet Senior. Yeah. So then this rooster crows, and they're and then the and then the ghost leaves, and they're like, "We got to tell young Hamlet about this because there's also oh a my Hamlet Junior." I just realized we read Macbeth. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know anything about this. <laughs> I don't know anything about. But this. you watched Lion King. Oh yes, absolutely. I studied. See, and this is perfect. I, you know, I just went. In, I went. You know, deep in the Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> so this is great. Anyway, I, I just was elated to be like, good. I, I know, know nothing. Anything. <laughs> I am about truly this. illiterate. Yeah. <laughs> the title holds up. Thank God. <laughs> so they're gonna, they're going to tell young Hamlet about this, Junior Hamlet. There's also one of his friends named Horatio. Oh, which shows up yeah. in the picture. And he's like his good friend. They've been tight since school. So Hamlet is not at the court at this point. Or or he wasn't. He came back because of Hamlet Sr.'s death. Mm. He was over in college or at school, whatnot, in Wittenberg in Germany. Mm-hmm. Getting so, fancy. Yeah. Getting liberal. <laughs> but now he's getting a liberal arts education. But now he's got to come back because his father's death. So Gertrude is there, which is his mom. mom and she, in quoting Shakespeare, she says, cast thy knighted color off. Meaning he's wearing all black, he's super emo, he's super sad. <laughs> Me. <laughs> but he has a right to be. So they're Me, in the king's court. Claudius is the new ruler, which is his uncle. So mm. here we go into a little uh-huh. bit of Lion King business. So this is where we have, okay, this is kind of like Scar, who's go. taken over. Mufasa's dead. Or Hamlet Sr. is dead. And his mom is now married to his uncle gross uh, right and so in the disney movie sarabi which is simba's mom mm-hmm. is opposing scar yeah, yeah. and is into it but i looked up and there is a secret scene which i'll post the link in the in the in the special links in the show notes where scar they had a deleted scene where scar Sc- does scar propositions nala to be his queen he oh, has a whole yeah. precursor to be prepared there's a whole song and everything mm-hmm. i've seen the scene they had they, they were doing it yeah um except it's real weird um and and it's it, like siring it my children and whatnot mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and but it's really cool because then you get to see all of the uh the lady lions all come together and kind of you know, like walk him back and being like you don't know what's going on so they mm-hmm. have a couple verses all together and being the lady like, lions are against him mm-hmm. yeah Mm-hmm. So that's where they're getting this from. They didn't put it in there because it's more of a children's movie and it, it right. distracts and it's creepy. But in Hamlet, it is kind of weird because he's pissed that his mom, Gertrude, has just immediately, months after dad dying, being like, sure, I'll marry your Well, why don't his, you keep being brother. the queen? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> love, love my husband's brother. So Claudius explains that for Life bro- gives you lemons. Yeah, guess become still queen. So then Claudius is like, yo, Hamlet, you got to quit this. Get being sad. Hamlet's like, I got more grief inside than anything that's shown on the outside. They're like, don't go back to Wittenberg. Stay here. Chill out. There's a famous quote where he says, frailty, thy name is woman, which a lot of people have problems with because he's, like I said, he's kind of misogynistic against women in a lot of these Mm -hmm. scenes. And so there is a big debate about whether he's actually obsessed with his mom, like has an Oedipus complex. Interesting. And so Freud was super into this, and yeah. there was a certain point where Freud was actually going to call that the Hamlet complex. Mm. 
but then he changed to Oedipus because it's much more obvious mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that play. Well, and and it, uh, further, it seems interesting that the gender roles getting switched with um, at at certain points with actors playing yeah. um, these other roles. So then you'd have women being misogynistic towards men playing women. Mm-hmm. Um, would be really interesting, and, and that, it would yeah. be re- because it's not like anybody in the room wouldn't be thinking about it while they were watching it right so this yeah that's also why shakespeare is regarded because he liked to play with that stuff because there was young boys playing the women's parts right in this time it wasn't until 1661 that uh women were allowed to play women's parts mm. as a part of the law so it was very evident and shakespeare likes to play around in his comedies like people getting to confused for a different character and women pretending to be men and men pretending to be women, but they're actually, actually men. Oh, Kind of like in the J.T. Leroy. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Horatio's also skipping school from Wittenberg and tells him, like, yo, we saw your dad as a ghost. We got to go check it out. So then we cut to these... I said, word? (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, I want to see dad. So then Laertes and Ophelia, this is the next scene, who are the son and daughter of the king's counselor, Polonius. Okay. Who's kind of like uh, the bird. Zazu. Zazu, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Laertes is the son, and Ophelia is the daughter, and Ophelia is into Hamlet, and Hamlet's into Ophelia. Laertes is going back to school in France. He says, don't pine for Hamlet. He's crazy. He's fooling around with you. Don't trust men. That Mm. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Polonius Mm -hmm. also says, listen, daughter, don't clown with Hamlet. (laughs) Quit fooling around. The next scene... They go back up, Hamlet's going up to the battlements with Horatio to see this ghost. And uh, I looked up ghosts, and so a lot of, in this time frame, officially, Protestants did not believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. So in the play himself, Hamlet is like, is this a work of the devil? Is it the devil? Is it a demon? Cool. Was it used to disturb Christians kind of thing? Although Roman Catholics believe in purgatory, Mm -hmm. which is, Mm -hmm. and the spirits might come back because they need purification because that's the middle ground before you go to Mm -hmm. heaven because of sins that you didn't repent on and things like that. So in this way, Shakespeare is dealing with his issues of Protestant versus Roman Catholic, going back a little bit into Shakespeare's history. Shakespeare's dad died in 1601. Like we said, this play came yeah. out around 1603, yeah, yeah. whether it was written in that time or beforehand. But there was some contention between him and his dad and his dad growing up in the Roman Catholic Church and oh, yeah. Shakespeare being a part of the Protestant Reformation, yeah. whether or not his dad was in purgatory and because his dad was not able to repent for his sins and the idea of that. And so that's a question of Shakespeare in this play working out problems with his dad dying and oh, the afterlife wow. and I love being this. represented as yes. and then there's it's rumor That's always the kind of stuff yeah. I'm, I'm, i love that exactly oh yeah and then there's there's <laughs> evan loves it there's there's rumor that shakespeare at a certain point played the ghost hamlet senior in performances like that was his role oh, awesome. in the play as an actor which is interesting that's awesome that he would play like his quote-unquote dad yeah. part There's also just dipping back a little bit in more of Shakespeare's history. Shakespeare had a son who was named either Hamlet or Hamnet, and he his son as a child died in 1596. Oh, so just a few years before, four years before. Yeah. Um, So he's got these two elements in his personal life happening in the same span of writing these tragedies. So there it is. Yeah, like Adele, (laughs) (laughs) like a lot of uh, artists. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So then this ghost. He's, got a, he's in purgatory. Uh, the ghost says the famous line, murder most foul. Mm. Murder most foul. He's got no chance yeah. to repent. He said it's because Claudius poisoned him. <gasps> and he says, leave mom alone. She's good. Like, don't mess with her. This is when Horatio comes back. And uh, I thought this was funny because, they, like, these other people know about the ghost. They don't really know whether it's his father, yeah, whether yeah, it's yeah. a demon, whatever. But uh, it said, there's stage direction that the ghost says from underneath the stage like, swear that you won't tell anybody about this, which to me would seem comical, but I guess it wasn't (laughs) at that point. But it's just, like, from understage, swear in a ghostly voice. Yeah, it would definitely depend, like, on, on, like, what the voice is. Because if it's John Lovitz from underneath the story, swear that you will never tell anyone! (laughs) Or if it's, you know, James Earl Jones, swear that you will never (laughs) tell Yeah. But he goes away. Now Hamlet is super weirded out. And for the rest of the play, here he comes in conflict. What's he going to do? Because it's a huge deal. Does he does he avenge his father? 
it might seem like an obvious thing. And in a lot of tragedies, it comes about right away. Mm. Or it's the circumstances of the plot that don't allow. But as we'll see, Hamlet has plenty. For the entire rest of the play, he has opportunity to do what he <laughs> needs to do. But he's conflicted yeah. about what he's supposed to do. And then that's where a lot of sometimes like, oh, is it because he's actually infatuated with his mother? And then that would make him the king. And then he is with his, you know, is it that weird thing? Oof. Or is it a moral thing that he's not supposed to, you know, one killing another. But but that is part of the honorable code. Like Fortinbras of Fortinbras Jr. and Sr. of Norway. He's got no problem. He's on the warpath. Right. You know. So now Polonius sends this other dude to spy on his son, Laertes. So here we see so some what? of the elements of communication Okay. And corruption yeah. and whatever. And he's he's the he's the Polonius is Zazu, mm-hmm. the the guy, and he's like, Well, lie around town, like spread lies just to see if my son's up to no good. Like say like, oh Laertes, like, you know, the guy that gambles all the time, and if they like don't bat an eye or they contribute to it, or if they look surprised, that's how you'll know. Mm. Um So now Ophelia is there and says Hamlet came in looking crazy. Like, his hat's off, he's disrobed, his pants are around his ankles, and he's just spouting nonsense. Give me the bat, Ophelia! <laughs> Give me the bat, I'm not gonna hurt you. <laughs> well, and then Polonius is like, mad for thy love? Which I thought, <laughs> dude, you're missing the point here. He's crazy. So then she, so then he gets advice again, reject him, he's crazy. So she rejects him, but what are you gonna do? So he's like giving her letters still, or he's giving her letters saying like, I love you. I care about you, all that stuff. So now, here we come in with Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, which is this goofy duo who are almost one character. And this is like the Timon and Pumbaa yeah, of the Lion King, the sidekicks. And they're tasked by Claudius and Gertrude, like, make Hamlet goofy again, basically. Like, entertain him, have fun. Like, he's still a depressed mess, and we don't know why. Gertrude says that his lunacy is obvious. It's because of the death, whereas Polonius is like, no, 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 he's madly in love. Mm. Check out this letter of love. This mm-hmm. is why he's crazy. And now Ophelia is rejecting him, though I told her to reject him. Uh, there's news that Fortinbras has chilled out. He's not coming after. He's going to attack Poland um, because they sent a letter to him. Polonius is, says his idea is like, yo, we should creep behind this curtain to see whether, because I think it's because Hamlet's in love. They have this plan, like, well, somebody's going to hide behind the curtain while he's talking to Ophelia. Right. And then we'll see that he's crazy in love. And then there's also these actors that are coming to perform at the castle. This is where Hamlet gives a monologue. He gets mad at himself for being such a coward. So this is what he this is his scheme. He decides he's going to put something into the play that these actors are about to perform for the court to make sure that the ghost was not a devil. Like, he's going to put a scene in the play that they're going to perform of a king being poisoned by his brother, and becoming the new king, and mm-hmm. see how Claudius reacts to it. And if he freaks out, then it's like, oh, well, then you've got a guilty conscience. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Claudius and Polonius hide and leave Ophelia as bait. Again, they're going to hide and see what Hamlet says to yeah. her. So this is where he does his to-be-or-not-to-be business. Okay. This is the famous thing. And a lot of times people think, oh, well, he's doing this alone, and people think... Because the famous thing is him holding that skull. Right, right. That doesn't come until much later. It's that's a that's a misconstrued thing where they think it's the same thing. And also, that, Ophelia is in the room. That I carry the moment you say that, I know how that happened. There's an artist trying to uh, trying to sum up Hamlet mm-hmm. in one image, mm-hmm. and so it is those words and that image, and that and they're like Hamlet. Remember, <laughs> yeah. And, and as a reference in something, and that has been replicated and copied over mm-hmm. and over and over again. So we always just think of it as he's delivering that monologue holding this it's like alone. no that is an amalgamation to sum up the whole thing mm-hmm. and alone thinking about mm-hmm. his thoughts and Ophelia's right there <laughs> I liked because I looked up a little bit about this to be or not to be remember that first quarto where we had the, the actors that didn't really yeah. give a crap so in that it's to be or not to be I there's the point <laughs> and then it just was like really the short pirate version goes on yeah I, like, there be the point because <laughs> that's not my lines I don't care <laughs> Um, so, so this is a, is this thing, was, people are correct in thinking, it's about suicide. It's like, to be or not to be, that is the question that monologue is about. What am I going to do? If I kill myself, if I just end it all, is that worse? Or, like, I just saw this ghost, and that ghost is struggling in death, like... Or is life yeah, the what point of life is, to be? What escape is suicide if you're looking at this ghost? It's like, please help. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Avenge me. So, you don't understand. I'm stuck here. You've got to help me. Mm-hmm. Listen. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and then he denies. So then Ophelia confronts him. He denies. He's like, I didn't give you any letters saying I loved you. That's a lie. So now he's completely flipped. And he's like, I don't love her at all. What? He says, get thee to a nunnery, which was a pun or, or a play on words rather for Shakespeare. Because nunnery at that point could have meant either the, the convent where women are chased or a brothel. Yeah. <laughs> which is weird why it means both of those words. But that Elizabethan audiences would have known that mm-hmm. he was saying that. So then he dips out. Polonius is like, nah, he's still in love. <laughs> he doesn't believe. But he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide while he goes and talks to Gertrude, okay. which is his mom. So Polonius is still on this hiding and trying to figure this out. Claudius is like, no, he just needs some time out of here. So I'm going to send him to England. He needs some sea time, some time on the sea to think. So now Hamlet is doing his part and he's explaining to these actors how to act which i think is shakespeare making a jab at acting and drama because he's like not don't be too exaggerative (laughs) shakespeare loves the play within a play stuff (laughs) this is where hamlet says the phrase in my heart of heart which is not the phrase people think in my heart of hearts where that phrase comes Mm -hmm. from in the actual text of hamlet it's in my heart of heart because he's talking about the core of my heart and he's talking about the person who's a master of their emotions and rational. And that's what he's saying Horatio, his friend, mm-hmm. is. So he's giving thanks to his friend Horatio in his heart of heart. Mm. So then they watch the play. He's not sitting next to Gertrude. He's sitting next to Ophelia. Again, wishy-washy, weird. They're sort of flirtate, flirting a little bit. And there's this whole thing, this whole back and forth about saying lying in his lap. And he's in good spirits. And he's asking what she thinks of that. And she says, I think nothing, my lord. But nothing was a slang term for a woman's lady parts. Yep. So there's another double entendre where she's saying, I think nothing. And he's like, I don't think nothing. Mm-hmm. So Claudius sees this bit where the king gets uh-huh. poisoned by his brother. Flips out, flees. So then Claudius say, well, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, the two dudes, the Timon and Puma, is like, you got to go on this trip with Hamlet and convince him otherwise. Claudius, here we get a bit more. He's also touted as being a pretty balanced villain because we see he doesn't feel remorse, but he also tries to repent. Okay. Like he knows that he did the wrong thing, but he's like, I'm being rewarded for it. But at the same time, I don't feel bad about it. So it's a conflicting character where you're like, I get why he would do it, but also he's not he's not seeking absolution necessarily mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. his crimes. So he goes down to pray for that, to like try and make amends. Hamlet comes in to here after the play and is like, well, I could slice him now, but that's going to defeat the whole purpose because yeah. he's praying and he's like doing the right <laughs> thing. And he's just going to go straight to heaven and then I'm going to be a terrible yeah. person. So then Hamlet and his mom argue, and this is where Polonius is hiding behind the curtain, his mom calls for help, and Hamlet hears somebody behind the curtain. So he stabs him, thinking it's Claudius. Ah! And is like, I did it. This is no! the one time where Hamlet acts, but it's the wrong person. No! And he berates, he berates Gertrude, his mom, being like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be sleeping with Claudius and all that stuff. And here's when the ghost shows up again. Oh, God. But Hamlet is the only one that can see it. Oh. And he's like, can't you see, Gertrude? This thing, he's like, I don't know, you're talking into the air, you're dry, you're, you're, now you're really crazy. It's the, the ghost drugging, like, oh, yeah, I don't know, I'm here, yeah. <laughs> and this is where he berates her even more, doesn't want her to have sex with Claudius. He's going to go off to England. Fine. Gertrude tells Claudius what happened. Stabbed Polonius. God. What a mess. He's got to go. How's Polonius? Dead. Dead? Yeah. God! <laughs> Killed him. Well, I'll go back to London too. Yeah, <laughs> real Get out quick. Of here, real quick. Yeah, just murdered <laughs> right now, right now. <laughs> so now Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are confronting Hamlet because Hamlet <laughs> hid the body, and they're like, "Where's the body? What's going on?" Oh my god! The king God. told us to get it, and it's this whole <laughs> madness. Claudius asks, he's like, "Where's Polonius?" And then Hamlet says, "In heaven, send hither to see. If your messenger finds him not there, seek him in the other place yourself." Meaning, like, he's in heaven. You can go there, too. If not, check in hell. Yeah. (laughs) Where you'll be. He says, but if indeed you find him not within this month, you shall nose him as you go up the stairs into the lobby. Meaning, like, if you can't find him, you'll smell him soon. Oh, god, Like, pretty savage. So then he says, goodbye, Mom. I'm out. So now Claudius sends Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. Now they're, like, spies. And he's, like, a letter to the English king being, like, the second... My son-in-law gets or there, kill him, to the English king. Mm. Like he's a he's a disaster. So now we get back and this kind of a side thing. Fortinbras is on the warpath, and now Fortinbras has the opposite change of heart of Hamlet, oh. where he 
Fortinbras is like, no, I need to seek revenge on my dad. So I'm going. I'm coming to the castle in Denmark. Here we go. So now he that's the Lumen. other way. That's Lumen in the background. Uh, and now we've got Gertrude is talking to Ophelia, who's now gone crazy because her dad's um, died. Her brother's off in the distance. Hamlet's off in the distance. Claudius explains how he, and again, empathetic. He understands what's going on. You know, why Ophelia would be insane. So we get some empathy for him, and it's a whole big mess. This is now, boom, Laertes smashes in, <laughs> back from France. <laughs> Heard my father's dead. What happened? What's going on? And he, of course, he's going to blame Claudius because he's the king. He's Naturally. responsible for all this stuff. <laughs> Ophelia comes back in, singing, giving flowers. And I looked this up a little bit because the flowers that she gives symbolize different things. So she looks crazy, mm. but again, to the audience watching this, the flowers that she's giving these different people as she's singing these songs are reflections of her agency and her opinion of what's going on. So she gives sense. a flower that represents adultery to Gertrude, meaning like, I see you, you did the wrong thing. You shouldn't yeah. have just a month after your husband died, gotten with whatever. And the various flowers that she gives, like I said, would make sense yeah. in the context of the audience That's watching cool. and being like, oh, Ophelia really knows that. she's not actually that crazy. I like that. Claudius says he'll explain who did this to Laertes. Now we go to Horatio off on his own. A messenger comes up to him. We assume some time has passed. Where's Marcutio? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Different one. <laughs> Where's Julius Caesar? <laughs> I thought this was Julius Caesar. Horatio's got this letter, and he just reads the letter, and it says, Hamlet, this is kind of like a bizarre left turn for me. He was taken hostage by pirates <laughs> on this ship. <laughs> And Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are on their way to England. And Hamlet has been with these pirates. And he's coming back. And he's also given a letter to the king. Nobody's made that movie. Just about what happened there. <laughs> I'm sure the somebody, maybe somebody has. <laughs> maybe somebody has. Yeah. That's not, I want to go look at that after we're done. Um, <laughs> there is a, a secondary story, which we'll get into when we go into Lion yeah, yeah. King. But there is a secondary story that was made in the 60s called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are mm-hmm. Dead. And uh, that is based on, it's all the stuff that Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are doing off in the <laughs> in wings of, yeah, as, yeah. as the play, the rest of the stuff is happening. It's like, what are they doing to try and make, like, cheer Hamlet up? What are yeah. they doing on this boat ride? But it's just a movie about them where their story is the, yeah, <laughs> is the they're, foreground. They're the main people. And it's an absurdist. <laughs> While all this insane stuff happens in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's an absurdist thing because they have no idea what's going on. That's great. Off on the side, but because we know the story of Hamlet. But if you didn't know Hamlet and you just watched Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, you'd be like, this makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> but it's their experience. It makes no sense. That's so great. I love yeah. that. Yeah. But, that, but there's more for them. There's more yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. So we now know that Hamlet's back and Horatio knows that he's back. But we, we cut back to Claudius and Laertes are discussing because they get this letter from Hamlet saying, yo, I'm back. So their plan is like, well, we got to kill Hamlet. We got to get over this. Yeah, we got to Because this is Laertes's revenge. Now Laertes is going to enact oh. his revenge. Uh-huh. Again, Hamlet taking the whole play to decide whether he's gonna, how he's going to enact revenge. Laertes is like, nah, I got to kill Hamlet. He killed my <laughs> yeah. father. This is what you do. Hamlet's way too existent. He's just like, well, what do I feel? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is like, well, I know how I feel. <laughs> so Claudius and Laertes come up with a plan. They got a fencing match because Laertes is good at fencing. And Claudius is like, I'm going to wager against Hamlet. So now he's got to fight. But we're going to dip the sword in poison, the tip. So when you stab him, <laughs> it's not just going to be like a fencing tap. Yeah. You're actually going to stab him. He's yep. going to get poisoned. Also, just in case that doesn't work out, if he gets tired halfway through, which he will... I got this cup, and I'm going to put poison in it, Claudius the king, and offer it to him. So even if you don't stab him and you suck, I'll kill him. We're going to get this working out. Gertrude pops in. She's like, horror of horrors, Ophelia's drowned. Ah! The next death. No. Yes. She made wreaths of these flowers, jumped off a branch, or it broke, fell into the thing. Her heavy clothes (gasps) got her down. Flowers everywhere. Flowers everywhere. Tragedy. And so now Laertes is like, it's really going down. I I don't even have time to grieve over my my sister dying. Yeah. This is where people question Gertrude or her character becomes more complex. Because it's like, how did you know about this? Why are you waxing poetic? Did you see this happen? Are you complicit in this? This is where we begin to wonder, like, does Gertrude know really more? She's not just an agent of chaos and just going with the flow. And she's actually also trying to atone for what she's doing or she's trying to make sense of things. Yeah, trying to figure it out. There's more nuance to to her character. So now, second to the last scene... 
we get the gravedigger part with the skull and all of that. There's these gravediggers who are arguing about how they're going to obey Ophelia. Was it a suicide? They have this back and forth, which to me seems comedic about, like, they're arguing whether it's a true suicide or, like, whether drowning is okay if she's going to go to heaven or purgatory or hell or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, if, 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 if if she came into the water then she did it. But if she was in the water and it rose up and she drowned, then she's good. <laughs> because it was the water's fault and not her fault. They're like talking about the logistics and like whether or not she yeah, can have yeah, a, yeah. a Christian burial. And then they're just like, no, she can have a Christian burial because she's rich. And they're like, it's crazy how rich people can, can commit suicide and get away with it. And then Hamlet and Horatio come up. That 1%. <laughs> able to just do just. whatever they want. And then... Uh, they discuss death, and they see the gravediggers digging and stuff up, throwing skulls around. So they see the jester's skull, and then that's when he says, Alas, poor Yorick. Mm. I knew him, Horatio. This was this guy who I knew as a kid and joked around in the court and all that stuff, and now here he is dead, and what does death mean? They bring Ophelia to be buried. Of course, Laertes is there. He sees Hamlet. They're like, ah! And then they get they, they tussle. <laughs> you! You! Yeah! Ah! And they're like, no, 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 we set up this fencing match, so... Hamlet explains to Horatio how he got there, like they, because they separate them, and he's like, "Yeah, I changed the letter that said that the King of England was going to kill me, and it said to kill Rosencrantz and Guildenstern, so they're on their way to England. So there's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. <laughs> That's what he says. Because I was abducted by these pirates, and then I got sent back because he found it out. <laughs> Again, being savage, <laughs> and then we don't hear about them in the play." But Hamlet says Now I about, get to see what happens at the end of that movie. Yeah. <laughs> Hamlet hears about this fencing match and the bet. He's like, sure, whatever. I'll fight you. Hamlet apologizes and said, you must have heard I'm ill. It's not personal. It's not me. It's my madness. Laertes accepts this, but he's like, I still need to retain my honor and figure out a way to do that. But I accept it. They do this fencing match. Gertrude drinks the poison cup. <laughs> In this moment. And Claudius is like, no, don't do it. And she's like, you don't have, you can't tell me what to do. I'm going to drink. I'm thirsty. So then again, we're thinking like, oh, does she know this? Does she know that he's actually poisoned? Because why would she be like, no, I'm going to do what I want and drink it. You know, like maybe she does have more agency. And like I said, she's trying to atone for it. Because then when she dies, she says, oh, my dear Hamlet. She doesn't say, oh, my dear Claudius. Mm. Laertes hits Hamlet in the fencing match. They mess around. Hamlet gets the same sword and stabs him, so now they're both poisoned. Uh. Laertes explains the poison blade part because he's like, nah, you got stabbed and I got stabbed, so now we're both going to die. Um, Claudius, I cheated now, and this is backfired. Yeah. This <laughs> is, <laughs> ah! And the, your mom had the poison cup and all this. <laughs> so now Hamlet's like, well, it's do or die. I'm about to die in 20 minutes. So he just jumps up stabs Claudius with it too, yelling at him, and makes him drink the drink. So he's double poisoned. God. Horatio doesn't want to be a part of this, so Horatio goes for the cup as well. Uh because he doesn't he doesn't yeah. want this whole this whole thing, the whole court is in chaos. Everybody's dying as mad as he's like, I'm not gonna be a part of this medieval situation yeah. going on here. Hamlet's like, no, I like you've got to tell my story. Like I can't have it be like this. Like you can't be dying. Bah, 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 war noises. Fortinbras, uh, the junior dude that we forgot about God. halfway through, comes in. Here this comes is where, the Calvary. Yeah, <laughs> this is where Horatio says good night, sweet prince, mm. to Hamlet, which is a famous line. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fortinbras shows up, and Hamlet right before is like, let Fortinbras take over, but tell him what happened that I was a good dude and all that stuff, and my father was good and he was avenged. So then Fortinbras is like, I'm here to take over. Oh, pretty easy. <laughs> How coincidental. Horatio explains everything to him, but he's like, this is such a sight as this becomes the field, but here shows much amiss. Oh. Meaning, like, this would be appropriate at a battlefield, but we're mm -hmm. here in the court. Right, right. But, like, Hamlet deserves better than this, so they shoot the army guns be being like a proper military death, uh, and then it ends. Wow. So it's a That's true not, tragedy. Yeah, yeah. Basically, everybody's dead except yeah, Horatio. Yeah. As far as just explaining the very end for the Lion King, they had a separate scene where Scar kills Simba and then also dies in the fire, like when they have that whole I killed Mufasa mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll put a link to it. Yeah, It's I didn't just know like the storyboards and the sounds and whatever, but that was a at one point a ending that they had. Where they both die. Where they both die. My gosh. But you I did not know they yeah. were going to go that direction. Mm -hmm. That's and fascinating. Scar in that scene says, good night, sweet prince. 
Too much. Too much. <laughs> Too much. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, I'm interested in the genesis of this. I mean, we've already touched a little bit on you know, you know, the different hands involved yeah. and how it's grown and morphed and shaped, but there's more to it than that. This is this it's like a universal human right story. It, what do I do? Right. It, it, it's not it, even in this level. It's not a like a one hundred percent totally original idea. Yeah. It's not like he's the first person to have thought about these problems in mm-hmm. human history. Yeah. So I'm kind of interested in beyond his personal reasons, the death of his child, the death of his father, all of those things going into what's going on. Which maybe that's even it. ambiguous. Yeah. But what? But where? What else is he drawing on to make this mm-hmm. happen? Yeah. At this point, he's in his mid 30s. He's written Titus Andronicus, Romeo and Juliet, Julius Caesar which are tragedies, but mostly history and comedy. Mm-hmm. This is the reign of Elizabeth the first ending. It's the, like I said, it's the Renaissance. It's the reformation of the Catholic Church coming on. His audience probably would have seen it as trepidation or worrying about James I's upcoming reign okay. and what was going on there. Uh-huh. So historically, that's kind of like where he's coming at it for his audience being like, hey, new leaders yep. coming into power. What's going on? Cool. Is it going to be a mess? Is it going to be madness? Very cool. And then, like See, I said, this is the important stuff, mm-hmm. man, because it's the only way you can relate to what's going on in your life right now and what maybe will happen in your life down the road. Yeah. Um, it, you need to know what I, – I, I find it – uh, so enlightening just to know what was it like to be alive what were these people dealing with what mm-hmm. was in their mind and what were the problems they were trying to convey to one another to mm-hmm. themselves um, and then like is, i said with, so yeah part of it like with his father and the ghost thing where we were hitting up on the protestant reformation which martin luther historically n- nailed the 95 theses on to the door of the church in 1517 and that was like hey Catholic Church, we're not going to do this stuff. Yeah. Protestants, yep. boom, here we go. That happened in Wittenberg, which is the city where Hamlet oh, goes yeah. back to. Yep. And so that's an allusion to, again, the Protestant Catholic stuff. Like Hamlet is getting more woke over in, uh-huh. in Wittenberg, and they don't want him to go back there. They want him to stay here in the chaos. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So people would have gotten that. So as it's far like as a, yeah. like a kid from the south going to a liberal arts college and mm-hmm. coming back and being like, but people are people. It's like, no, you need to get everything you can for yourself. What are you doing? Don't go back there. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as the story itself, there is a guy named Thomas Kidd, and there's this weird version called Ur Hamlet, like U R hyphen Hamlet, which is a previous version. But even before that, there's an old old 13th century. Scandinavian story, which even might before that be derived Ooh, from an Icelandic poem called Am- Amleth, which is just Hamlet with the H at the end instead of at the beginning. Uh, and that's the guy's name. And uh, there's a certain similarity. So he s- killed an eavesdropper from behind a curtain and he gets dispatched to Britain with two attendants with a letter. And it's about this uh, Scandinavian prince who kills his uncle when he grows up and the whole time pretends to be crazy until he's old enough to kill him. So oh, wow. Very, very <laughs> similar. Wow. But uh, what Shakespeare did differently is he adds way more ambiguity because there it's a plot thing. It's about he's not old enough. His, da- his dad was murdered as a kid, so he's got to wait until he be- can right. become of age to be the prince so that he can kill. Right. And, it, and it's a pure, like, revenge murder thing. And also... He sees his dad murder as he knows it happened versus like in Hamlet and the Lion King. It's like, I killed Mufasa. Like he doesn't know and the ghost has to tell. Right. It was like Simba did not actually witness Scar ripping Mufasa's (laughs) claws out of the cliff. (laughs) Right, right. So that's what's similar between those two. But, But this is a very strong foundation for Shakespeare to come off of and add his own spin Mm -hmm. and add what would be useful to people at that time. Look at that. Mm Mm-hmm. In, in this one, too, this is the first big one where he really flips the script on plays because a lot of the drama is through the soliloquies, not his action, because he doesn't do anything. His action yeah. isn't where we learn his motives. It's his internal monologue yeah. and his what he's telling other people and how he relates to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern and Ophelia and his mom and all that stuff because the whole play is a deliberation until it's too late. And that's right. the tragedy right. is that he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. If he was further on into the Age of Enlightenment, you know, like... <laughs> This would be celebrated, but he's not. 
And that's mostly as I was looking up tragedies, because I was interested in, like, tragedies are not as popular anymore. Mm-mm. And most tragedies come about because the person is in the wrong time. Uh, They're thinking differently, or what they are capable of I'm doing, not or what about they it like are. That that's interesting. They're just in the wrong time, and that's what's so tragic. And that's also, I think, why people in this time period liked those as well, because there was a lot of change going on culturally at the beginning of the 1600s. That's great. Yeah. So just for my own interest, I looked up this uh, this Thomas Kidd and this Ur Hamlet. So there was an English stage version. It came out in 1589, and it's kind of based on this other stuff, but it's but it's still different from... Amleth. <laughs> from Amleth, yeah. Um, but there's a version of, of the Amleth story, which was made into a movie called Royal Deceit, Christian Bale stars in it. Hell yeah. It came out in 1994. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I, wish, I wish I had watched that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah, like I said, that's the old Scandinavian story that Hamlet is based oh, off of. Oh, awesome. It also debuts Andy Serkis. That was his first. Oh, no way. Film role is, in the, oh. is in the film called Royal Deceit, which is, yeah, the Amleth story God. and not the Hamlet not story. Now i got to go find that. <laughs> that's a great one. Put that in the show notes. That's a great one. Yeah. Nobody knows about that and they should. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so that's where Shakespeare got a lot of his stuff from. And so now we go into The Lion King and oh. how a lot of that fits in. So, I, so I'd so i just like to kind of go through some of the characters as we talked about them. Yeah, yeah. And see kind of how it fits and what a lot of people might say. Sarabi, so his mom is Gertrude. Obviously, the mom is the mom. Claudius is Scar, the dad who takes over. Mufasa yep. is the ghost who comes back to him and gives him advice and tells him what to do. Although Mufasa is a lot nicer. He's not like, revenge, you know? He's and like, more, way more brief is, remember. Like, yeah, that's yeah. kind of really it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Rafiki is Horatio. Oh, really? oh okay. Kinda, you know, yeah. like the, the, the friend who's okay. like good natured yeah. and, and wants to help him out. And Rafiki Got never you. is involved in any of that. See, now when I look at Rafiki as so much more of a mentor figure, like mm-hmm. the surrogate father in yeah, a lot of yeah. ways. So uh, that kind of lost on, that was yeah. a little lost on me, but that that make, that does make sense in, in, in a way. Yeah. Polonius is Zazu just because he's the king's guard. But well, he's he doesn't. He's flying around, you yeah. know, he's delivering messages delivering and seeing messages, what's going on between who's got the ideas and what is the perception. He's also really in on Simba and Nala's relationship, yeah. which is kind of like the Ophelia Hamlet. Like, are they in love? Aren't they in love? Is it gross? Isn't it? And that, he's all yeah. about that. And it's interesting <laughs> that in Hamlet, he's like, oh, they're in love. I got to prove it kind of thing. You know, that's what he's all about. He's shipping them. <laughs> <laughs> they would, some might say that the hyenas act as Laertes, which is the, the mm-hmm. like Claudius's guy that's like, hey, do the fencing match, you know, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> his underlings. The question of to be or not to be doesn't really come up with Simba. They change the themes to be more of yeah. like fulfilling your destiny, the circle of life. Like, it, yeah, it's not about, the avenge, about, but take your place like in filling life. your your place in the world, and mm-hmm. no matter what that place is. And that's where kind of people start to take uh, issue with the way the power structure is set up in the land. There, that's a whole other that's a whole other debate because you can look at this from any other angle. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's uh, very heavily they tried to center it around of. Growing into your own, filling your place in literally the circle of life mm-hmm. and filling your role. And then, of course, Timon and Pumbaa are Rosengrantz and Guildenstern, although they're much more shady and Lucy Goose in Hamlet and not his friends. Not like hippies. Right. <laughs> <You know? laughs> although we do have the exile to England is his exile into the jungle where he's like, leave and never return. Mm-hmm. It's like Hamlet's got to go away. And he definitely changes in that time frame because when he comes back, he's like... I, got, I was abducted by pirates. Sure, I'll fence. Sure, whatever. And then that's when he finally takes action and kills. Yeah. I mean, at the very, literally, the very right. last second, he's like, yeah. well, I'm going to die. You know. Well, I guess. But uh, he did have an exile, like Simba had an mm-hmm. exile to the jungle. The other allegory is the elephant graveyard, which at the very end of Hamlet, he goes to the graveyard, and that's where mm-hmm. they discuss death. That's what happens in The Lion King as well. Yeah. Something that I found was there's a second Lion King that came out. <laughs> which was not as popular, but loosely, I think people have admitted to this, it's based on Romeo and Juliet, one of Shakespeare's other tragedies, which stars the two lions, Chiara and Kovu, which Simba chooses to be his follow-up after yeah, he's the, done. Simba is now, he's assumed his place, and now he has a cub, mm-hmm. a daughter who is now interested in a boy cub in, in the pride. But it's uh, a different pride. It's like yeah, an yeah, alternate yeah. pride. So that is... 
very similar to Romeo and Juliet, which is the Montagues and the Capulets and star-crossed lovers, and they're from different families, and they can't be together. And then there's a very not as well-known film called Lion King One and a Half, <laughs> which follows Timon and I think and there's Pumbaa. some Lion King One and a Half fans out yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lion King one and a half, which I love so much. Yeah, it's like an absurd, silly thing of like what they were doing in the meantime in their story of how they met and what's going on off of all. And like a lot of times, you like you'll see uh, Simba and Scar fighting on Pride Rock, and there's Timon and Pumbaa off on the side doing. It's like what were they doing the whole time? So that some people say is a, is a reference to this Rosencrantz and oh, Guildenstern yeah. are dead, Absolutely. which is what's going off on the side from an outside perspective. I, I love that, that there was, they were able to do it mm-hmm. and that they were able to get these movies made and that they went along with the, the Shakespeare parallels. Yeah. It, it's like, I, it's hard. It's off the top of my head. And I'm sure there are, I'm sure there, there definitely are, but it's off the top of my head, hard to name another a parallel like that where where mm-hmm. a series a franchise a well known so I will, so franchise. I, there is a well known franchise mm. that also involves a feline they change one huge thing which really ups the story and it's almost a parallel to hamlet and that is black panther mm-hmm. the superhero film mm-hmm. and so what happens is t'challa is the is the king and what they play with is instead of him being the one exiled it's the villain that's exiled so it's killmonger Michael yeah. B. Jordan's character. Yeah. So what happens is Very his, interesting. Yep. his uncle is mm-hmm. killed by, so it's like if wow, Scar got go. killed by Mufasa, yep, yep, then he yep. gets exiled, then he comes back, wants to reclaim the throne. Yeah. T'Challa's not ready, gets knocked off a cliff, leave and never return, sees his dad in the clouds in the Pride Lands in that purpley <laughs> area, <laughs> says, you've got to come back and Look reclaim the throne. He does, and then reassumes it. So I thought that was fascinating, well, that he... Does the ex- and then there's also a bunch of female warriors that come. Absolutely, like, it's ex- absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean I think it's all there, and it's so funny that you bring up Black Panther because I'm watching uh, the making of Lion King, and I'm mm-hmm. learning about they took a trip to Africa and then saw all these places and saw all these animals, and mm-hmm. it was hugely enlightening for them. I mean, it really was the the genesis for what they wanted the film to feel like. They wanted to bring a piece of that trip that they went on, all just a gr- small group, and yeah. they wanted to bring that feeling and give it to the audiences. The funny thing is, is Ryan Coogler did the exact same thing in preparation for Black Panther. He mm. did the exact same thing. He went out there by himself, um, and he just immersed himself in the African culture. Um, yeah. And being an African-American, uh, I can only imagine the ways in which that was ever enlightening and, mm-hmm. and probably will be for the rest of his life. And you can see that direct correlation, everything he brought into the film from that experience. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me, uh, I was going to bring this up, that is, uh, the exact same thing happened for the filmmakers on uh, Lion King. Yeah. It, it seems to be that the place was ju- is just so inspiring, just gobstopping, uh, yeah. that, uh, that you can it pull from all you. these influences. It affects you in, in, yeah. in so many ways. Um, that uh, In these two pieces of media in particular, you can see artists doing the same thing with uh, pieces of work that, can feel similar when you think of it in that context. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I was I was amazed when I saw that, that it was like, oh yeah, this is the exact, this yeah. is very, very similar. I had except not thought about the plot the, of Black yeah, Panther yeah, like that. that it's flipped. It's like, and it's absolutely. also, same thing That's with like, awesome too. the I corruption love it. in the, it's like in, in Hamlet, something is rotten in the state of Denmark. In Black Panther, it's something is rotten in the state of Wakanda. Right, right. And, and, I, and I was, uh, and I've kind of been, have I've had trouble with Black Panther a little bit. Like I liked it, but I just didn't love it. And then ultimately I was like, mm, I just didn't like, it didn't really feel thematically fresh. I did like that the villain was 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 really sympathetic back, yeah. and, and and I loved that, but I and I didn't but I didn't think about that enough. But now thinking about it as this Hamlet story, but inverted, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, oh, there is a freshness to that. That is cool. Okay. Yeah. The now, Hamlet would have stayed like this, and become yeah. leader, but been just as apathetic and confused and not wanting to be involved mm-hmm. because of the corruption. And then he gets ousted and now he has to go into exile and relearn and come back later. Yeah. It's, and I, I saw all that at the time. Sir surely didn't hit me with, with, uh, with Lion King, but I saw all that at the time, but I was still not, I didn't, I didn't have my thumb on the freshness. You know, I was just like, well, you know, it all kind of feels like the same, but now I'm thinking about it like, Oh man, no, that is, that is at least they were trying to change up this formula a bit. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I'm glad that we touched on that. Well, while we're in, what, is this a good time to get into Kimba? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Because we talked about how Hamlet 
was taken from these old scan this old Scandinavian story Amleth, which is very similar. So there's uh, Simba is purportedly taken from this story about Kimba, which is ironic that it's a similar name. This <laughs> Kimba, yeah, Simba. And I, there was more. There were more correlations and similarities than I was aware of. I thought it was really just a couple key images, mm-hmm. um, and maybe some like a couple name relations, but it, it, it is a bit more than just a couple key images. Yeah. It's down to character design and, and even big movements. So like one of the biggest things. Well, Kimba is I an thought, old Japanese. Yeah. So Kimba, animation. Kimba is, is, uh, predates it. What? It was 1950. I'm going to butcher the name, but the, he was really, really, he was incredibly Asama famous. Tezuka. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Tezuka. Mm-hmm. There we go. Asama Tezuka, uh, Kimba came out in 1950, and it was a huge success in Japan. Uh, he had other successes in Japan that were a bit bigger, but this was among his biggest successes. Astro Boy was Astro his. Astro Boy, that's it. That. That's the biggest one. Uh, so it's called Kimba the White Lion, but originally it was called King of the Jungle, which similarly, the Lion King's original working title was King of the Jungle which they do give an excuse as to why they changed it because ultimately it doesn't take place in a jungle. Yeah. But as we're going to see, they have absolutely seen Kimba and would have known this. Yeah. And uh, this was this was interesting. Tezuka was friends with Disney and Disney had asked uh Tezuka to help do Bambi. Mm-hmm. Um that was and it, it didn't come to pass, but they were friends. Um, when they were talking had, and they were sharing yeah. stories. They were talking about stories and they appreciated each other as artists. Tezuka had said that he was in, he had openly said that he was inspired oh, yeah. to make Kimba by Bambi. And the further this goes, and there are plenty of videos, we'll probably link to some, link but to the, some, yeah. the, you know, um, the examples of this. And, and it was not, and it's not like Disney had never uh, done adaptations are taken from stories before snow white is an adaptation the little mermaid is obviously an old tale you know an yeah. old an old sh- uh, sea tale um they they were doing short stories like i was like when i remember being a child and sleepy hollow the tim burton movie being out and so i was just obsessed with anything sleeping hollow and i found the really incredibly old disney cartoon because they were just doing everything they were do- yeah. they were doing anything they could get their hands on because the medium was so fresh and they were just trying to see what they could bring to these stories um, so they, you know, Disney was, uh, pretty alert and pretty aware yeah. as an entity working through the fifties and sixties as Kimba is hugely successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so just some of the similarities that I found yeah. was, so there's a stampede that's very similar. There's a character that hangs from a branch. The bird character flies up and says, help is on the way. There's sequences the that follow like Mufasa versus Scar and Scar versus Simba that are very, very close. Kimba sees his mom in the clouds (gasps) saying, you know, telling him what's going on. Uh, Well, I thought, and isn't the, well, I thought the river was, or the stampede was replaced. The device was replaced with a river, a rushing river instead of, or, uh, you know, some large Yeah, the uh, the Kimba series was a TV show that aired in the 70s. And and that's how successful it was and that it had multiple iterations. Yeah, and then in the movie, for the actual movie version, they might have did specific things. But yeah, Zazu is a a parrot named Polly. There's two (laughs) hyena henchmen. There's not three, but there's two. There's a baboon named Daniel that's a wise mentor. There's all of these things that, that tie in. Um, but there are things that are different. Like I said, the, the oh, central definitely. plot is different. And, oh, yes. And it's more like Bambi in that his mom gets captured and he has to fend for himself. And he's like a little lion the whole time. And there's some weird things where like his dead dad appears, but he like uses his dead father's hide as a disguise. And he'll be like, right, dad? That's and it's like his dead horrible. father's corpse. <laughs> but he'll like move it like a marionette and stuff. To oh, like Ed Gein, he'll get in it, he'll yeah. get inside the body and play around like they're still <laughs> yeah. alive. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a horrible serial killer. <laughs> well, that's Kimba. Yeah. So there's some stuff that's like, well, they definitely didn't uh, didn't do that. But I guess the the two big things that that I heard about was either because like you're saying Disney denies all of this and then even sued oh, them. vehemently to the point where yeah absolutely sued them so they had started working on a uh, a large theatrical uh, adaptation in 1989 mm-hmm. uh, coincidentally later that year The Lion King also goes into production with a working title The <laughs> King of the Jungle <laughs> weird right yeah uh, <laughs> uh, lo and behold uh, Kimba gets held up. 
in 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 production hell and it it and it, i think it ends up getting a in a legal battle towards the end of it that holds it up to being released until 1997 mm-hmm. so lion king is out and a massive success before kimba really gets finished mm-hmm. it, to get in front of a massive audience, and by that point, they look like a massive ripoff, even though they, they have been around TV show since 1950. For... Yeah. Uh, and even Matthew Broderick, Simba, the the voice actor for Simba, was a big fan as a child of Kimba. Mm-hmm. The two narratives that come out is the the Kimba remake, the movie. So you said the production hell. I don't know if you found this out, but Tezuka died in '89. Oh, I think I did hear. I yeah. Did, yeah. So that created a lot of problems because he was yeah. a figure yeah. behind all this yeah. and came up with the thing and all of that stuff. And so, you know, because Tezuka died in 89, they were going to acknowledge mm-hmm. his influence like he acknowledged Bambi as an influence right. for that. But then he's gone. Their production plummets. And so Disney is the only one doing this production. The other part that coincides with the second narrative is that they – do acknowledge that it's influenced, but the chaotic production process of the whole thing, they had added some Hamlet elements, they had added some Moses elements, they had added all of these different things. It was going to be this, it was going to be that, there was going to be music, there was going to be no music, they scrapped the music, they do, you know, Mm -hmm, a million different things. It was going to be said over here, there was going to be these characters, he was going to die, he wasn't going to die. It was all a nightmare. They didn't know what they were doing. So, in all of that wishy-washiness, they don't feel inclined to say, oh yeah, this was our one major influence, and there were so many people so many different hands yeah. on the project, yeah. maybe at one point, one person, the person who had decided to do it or to be influenced by this person fell off to the wayside. Hundreds and hundreds of people messing with this thing. And you have to, and once that person is gone and now you're in control, you have to defend this project and all the decisions that have been made, even though the person that was gone has heavily influenced what this is going to be. And now you have to answer for why it looks so much like something else. Yeah. Uh, but you have to be there to be like, well... It changes. The project evolves, and you have to be there to defend the interest of the of the entire project. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a weird game that people find themselves in, having to defend decisions they never even wanted to make, other people's decisions that they might not even necessarily like. They just have to defend uh, the property. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the mother stuff was so prevalent in Hamlet. the Oedipus stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did not. I did not realize quite so much of that. But watching the movie, thinking about the movie again, the and like we were saying earlier, the circle of life, sexuality is is present here without being named. It is inherent with just the cycle of of life. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because it, you could look at this and you look at this through any any number of lenses. But if you look at this as a as a young man, adolescent, on his way to coming into his own manhood, uh, I think it speaks pretty heavily to that. Uh, it's really, really interesting that they almost lean into it as well. It's like getting banished from, from your kingdom, kind of refusing that, and, yeah. and almost living a celibate lifestyle uh, with a, to asexual, almost Bachelor rejects. pad, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, no worries. I know, I don't, nothing matters. The girl comes up, oh, no big deal until, you know, and, mm-hmm. until, well, there is a girl and, you know, the, you know, it's, and it's a cartoon. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> plug and play here, mm-hmm. but the girl shows up and suddenly he wants to go back home, mm-hmm. um, um, to then attain, uh, his rightful place as the king to, uh, what I view as being plugged back into his role. Um, yeah. but being an active member in society, in the circle of life, mm-hmm. um, uh, really fascinating that these types of undertones are that strong in a child's movie almost. Because at five years old, I'm definitely not quite thinking about all this. Well, that's why they had to pull back from a lot of the Hamlet stuff, like Scar yeah, exactly. killing him. Exactly. I didn't realize this until seeing that scene and being like, man, it was even worse than I thought. Like, it was, it was, it was almost, it was heavier handed in mm-hmm. this area. Than well, because, like I said, it, as Hamlet goes about, he is kind of vicious to women. Yeah. In his word choice and whatnot. And there's been more recently like a feminist lens on Ophelia and Gertrude mm-hmm. and how they have more agency than you think. Like I said, with the flowers. Right, like, right. Hey, this is what's actually going Man, on. Man, the Ophelia thing with the flowers and her death. And Gertrude at the end. Oh and, or God. like how both of them, you know, Hamlet's to be or not to be, both of them committed suicide as a choice, not endorsing it now as a 
point of agency, but perhaps in that time and place in their station in life where women were not valued, couldn't do anything, forced to do everything, you know, like that was their choice they to say, choice. hey, I'm in control of and my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, in that time and place, alluded perhaps more to It's almost as they have ideals. more power than he does. They made a choice. Um, and the whole thing is him not being able to make up his his mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have you have women who don't have agency in this society actually making resolute decisions mm-hmm. and decisions that you can't do anything about. Yeah, they're stone cold hard. They know they did it. It's done. They're gone. You know, like yeah. it, how how much of a middle finger really is that to the misogynistic? aspects of that character the, yeah, the he's not, like i love you i don't you, love you you, you yeah. don't value these people but if you were to put them on the same playing field with yourself they are make they they have more power than you ever realize and you are so much weaker because you cannot make a decision yeah it's really fascinating yeah yeah how that how that mask there's so many different ways you there's can so take. Many, some people yeah. spent in the 200 books written on just the masculine feminine dynamic the power dynamic well and that has got to be i mean that is why it, it can be replicated adapted time and time and time and time again and have fresh things to say enlightening we hope you all learned something you didn't know i certainly did because evan didn't read it <laughs> he never read it <laughs> i thought i had <laughs> you know i was like yeah 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 i read it but that's why we did it because i you know we, we try to try, find the things that either you know, people think they know about or like this is definitely something i was like i know yeah we all know that i know that mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't know it um except i did and that's like, <laughs> the point that's why we did this so yeah this was awesome i, I loved it well announcement this week why don't you leave us one of those sweet sweet reviews and we're not doing it for us it helps with people finding our podcast the more That's reviews really that are left the more people are able to see it because it shows up in better better in searches it shows up related to other podcasts so that's really what it's there for it's not for us it's we just passed 2,000 downloads yeah i want to say that and thank you guys out there it's really cool um but we want to grow and then, so that's why we keep mentioning this like taylor said it's not about it's not it's just we we just want to share it we want more people to find it and and start getting in on these conversations cool Cool. all right we will see you all next week all right guys later Thank you.